We are picking up where we left off our summer series, Taste and See That the Lord is Good. How many of you know the Lord is good this morning? He is good. That's what we've been talking uh, in Psalm chapter 34, which is our, our foundation for this summer. And then verse 8 is that cornerstone, Taste and See That the Lord is Good. And we've been breaking it down, um, looking at, at how good God is. And He is good. And I'm thankful for His goodness. He's not just a God up in the sky somewhere, not sure what He's doing. Uh, yeah, He might have created us, but He's not really connected with our lives. No, no, no. He is a good God who loves us, who leads us and guides us. And that's, when, uh, that's why Paul, or, uh, David, when he wrote this psalm, he was uh, alone by himself in a cave, and he wrote these words, which are just incredible words that we've been able to look at uh, years later and study and, uh, and hear and know about the goodness of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 34. We're going to read this. We're going to read, read the whole thing again as we have been the last couple of weeks. Uh, Psalm chapter 34 will be on the screen for you as well. David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. Has the Lord ever answered you? He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord. You, His godly people, for those who fear Him will have all they need. Every strong, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil. And do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, the Lord messed me up again this week. (laughs) 
Uh, so the sermon, the sermon that I'm preaching today, I was going to preach next week. And the sermon that I was going to preach next week, I'm going to preach this week. Uh, and I'm not sure why. The Lord was just, he's, we're going to flip these, okay, is what he said. Now, I don't know why. I don't know if the people who were supposed to hear this week's sermon are going to be here next week, and those who were supposed to hear next week's sermon are here this week. I'm not really sure exactly, okay? Uh, what I do know is the Lord says, we're going to flip them, and it's my job to say, yes, sir, okay? We're going to flip them, and, and we're, so we're skipping a couple of verses to get to another verse, but that's what the Lord directed me. So is that okay with you guys? Okay, can I do that? Do I have? Okay. Well, I'm going to do it anyway, so. <laughs> All right. Psalm chapter 34, we're looking at two verses uh, in this psalm. Um, and really what, what we've been doing is we're looking at, the first week that we talked about this, we, we talked about how God is good. He was good to David while he was alone in the cave and he's writing this, this, uh, this chapter, this psalm. We looked at God's goodness. And then for two weeks, we looked at our response to God's goodness, Okay. So we are, we are starting, this foundation for us, or the cornerstone really, is that God is a good God. Well, we, we agree with that. We're, we're starting from this point, okay? He's not a mean God. He's not a vindictive God. He's not a vengeful God. He is a good God. And so we start from there. And so our response to a good God is to praise and to pray. And so we talked about the last, last two weeks, two weeks prior. To praise and to pray. We praise as always on our lips. And so praise and worship is not just during the praise and worship time. It is all of our life. When we make decisions, we are either going to make decisions based on what we want and our feelings and what we think, or we're going to make decisions based on what God thinks. And so when we make decisions based on us and our selfishness, then we are worshiping our feelings, our desires, what we want. But when we make decisions, obey what the Lord says, then that is worship unto Him. So worship is more than just the 30 minutes what we just did, okay? Worship is all the time, every day, never going to stop until we get to heaven, and then we're going to worship forever again. Worship's always going to happen, and it's going to be obedience to the Lord, or, and we pray. So it's praise, but it's also pray. We prayed, and the Lord answered us. So our response to a good God is to praise and to pray. Now this week and next week, we're going to go back up and talk about what a good God we serve. And the next week, our response once again, okay? So that's kind of how we're going. God is good, our response. God is good, our response, okay? So here's a, here is a God is good, okay? Psalm 34, verse 17 and 18. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He hears. He hears our, our prayer. He's not a wooden statue <laughs> on the end of our mantle or something that doesn't hear us, okay? We, we don't pray to a stack of money, okay, and, and, and base all of our decisions based on money. That money doesn't hear us. When we, you know, money, help us out. That money doesn't hear us. We know that, right? That's not a God that hears. But our Heavenly Father is a God who hears us. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Have you ever been rescued by the Lord? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues whose, those whose spirits are crushed. 
Have you ever been brokenhearted before? Have you ever been crushed in spirit? Have you ever felt going through a situation, going through something, you've been in a, a valley, we like to say. You've been in a valley. Of course, David was in a valley. He's got his king and his mentor that's out to kill him. And he's alone in a cave. And he writes these words. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. David had a broken heart. And was God far away from him? No, the Lord was close. And the Lord is close to us this morning, church. When you're going through something, the Lord is close. This is, uh, just with, as my position as pastor, I've, I've had the, the, I guess the opportunity, the honor, I guess, to uh, preach at several funerals. And this is one of the verses that I don't turn to all the time, but many times I will turn to this verse because there are people in that room that are brokenhearted. We're at a funeral and, 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 and we miss the person that is, that is gone. But one of the things that I say is when we have, when we're at a funeral and we know that that person lived their life for Christ, we know where they're at, right? I say, I don't know how people do it without the Lord. <laughs> how in the world do you do this? How do you come and you sit in this room and do what we're doing right now without the Lord? Is there not an alone feeling in the universe like, we're here by ourselves, just supposed to figure this out? There's no way. We have to have not only a God in heaven, but a good God in heaven. And so when we're in, in those moments, and we know exactly where that person is headed, I thank God that He is a good God, and that He is close to the brokenhearted. There's brokenhearted in those rooms, and there may be brokenhearted Broken hearts in this room as well. David knew what you were going through. And there could be several different things. Relationship, things are going on in your, on your life. Husband and wife or parents and kids or brother or sister or whatever it may be. There's some relationship tension there and there's some problems going on. And, and, and sometimes you feel broken hearted about what's going on. Financial issues, spiritual issues. Spiritual things that are going on in our life. We live in a spiritual world as well as a physical world. And all these things are going on. And I want you to know, church, that you are not alone. You are not alone. We don't just serve a God. We serve a good God who is close to the brokenhearted. No one is too broken for God to fix. No one is too hurt for God to heal. No one is too dirty for God to cleanse. No one is too far for God to reach. Because He is close to the brokenhearted. Somebody needs to hear that here today. He is close to the brokenhearted. Don't let the noise of this world distract you from the voice of God. The Lord is close. And even though the world wants to talk about this and that... God is close to you as well. Closer than any way that the world is going to be close to you. And He is close to the broken hearted. Scripture, I believe, interprets Scripture. And so as we look at one Scripture, we can look at other places that tell us and help us that as He brings comfort to us, we know that God is close to us, which proves once again 
that he is a good God if he's close to the brokenhearted. So I like to look in both the Old Testament and the New Testament for Scripture to interpret Scripture. And so we look at Isaiah chapter 61, which is later, which is after David. But Isaiah chapter 61, you don't have to turn there. We can have it on the screen, but if you want to, you can. Isaiah 61, just a couple of verses here. This is when Isaiah is uh, prophesying that the Messiah is going to come. We know him as Jesus. But he prophesies that, that there is one to come who is a Messiah. And sometimes he even prophesies beyond Christ and then looks back on Christ. Um, but here he says this in Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. So he's not saying me is in Isaiah. He's prophesying that this is what the Messiah is going to say. So he's prophesying what the Messiah is going to say. This is Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to. So he's about to say why he's here. Why did the Son of God come? And he's about to tell us why he's about to come. Number one, to bring good news to the poor. Now, this is not the poor in finances. This is the poor in spirit. Okay? So I've come to bring good news to the poor in spirit. If you are poor in finances, you have low funds. Right? If you're poor in spirit, you have low spiritual connection with God the Father. And so Jesus has come to bring good news that even though you're in your state of being poor in spirit, I have come to bring new life and the spirit inside of you. And so now that tank becomes full and actually overflowing, we believe. And so that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost why he came. Those of us who are far from the Lord, he has made a bridge so that we can get to him. That's what Jesus has done. That's the first thing that he has done. Look at the very next thing that he says. So after that, we know that, the gospel. He came to save sinners. We know that. Look at the next thing that he says. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. The very next thing he says. So yes, he has come, first and foremost, for the sinners, that they may have a way to heaven, to God the Father. And then he says, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Once again, we serve a good God. He brings good news and he brings comfort to the brokenhearted to proclaim that the captives will be released or set free. The prisoners will be freed. Verse 2, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. That there is a time to mourn. We can read that in Ecclesiastes as well. Verse 3, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Did you know that it's okay to mourn? Not only is it okay, he tells you to mourn. Okay? So when we mourn, when you're at that funeral or when you're in a tough situation, it is okay and it is, God actually tells us to mourn. So to say... I'm going through a tough situation, and it's not that great right now. Be honest with your situation, and that helps us to lean on the Lord, as opposed to pointing our fingers over here, well, this is why, and they did this, and I can't believe that they did that, and God, why'd you allow this, or whatever. Instead of that, we mourn. And we say, God, I'm in a tough situation, I'm in a sad situation, and so I'm going to lean on you. Because he would say later, Jesus, blessed are those who, what? Mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they will be comforted. You're not going to be comforted if you're over here pointing the finger on why you're in the situation that you're in. You're not going to be comforted.
but you're going to be comforted when you mourn and you lean on the Lord. Does that make sense? So we mourn. He says, mourn. <laughs> Don't just, ah, it doesn't bother me. Mourn. Lean on the Lord. Lean on the Lord, for you will be comforted. I am thankful that the Lord comforts us, and that shows us that He is a good, good God. Then I look in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And i got to be honest, I, I read, when I read this passage of Scripture, and then I listened to Tis So Sweet, Whew, I was in the presence of the Lord this week, let me tell you, okay? This verse spoke to me this week and even weeks ago when I was looking over all of it, the whole lesson or the whole series. But this week, when I read this, this pastor scripture, then I listened to Tis So Sweet, I had a good moment. It was a good moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is Paul talking. And he says, praise be, this is verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. So he says, he's the author of compassion. He's the starter of this. All these people in the world who have compassion, okay, God the Father is the Father of compassion. He started this. So the only reason why any of us can have any compassion for anything is because God existed, and he gives that to us, okay? So let's start there. Once again, we are starting from a good, good God, and he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, and he comforts us in our troubles, listen to this, okay, so that, okay, so we're in a tough time, we're in a valley, we're alone in a cave, being hunted by an evil king, okay, we are being comforted in that moment. God's going to comfort us, but it does not stop there, okay? We are comforted, God comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So when God comes and he comforts us, that, that gives us the testimony to put our arm around someone else who needs comforting. So when I say that you are not alone, I mean that in every area. You are not alone, child of God, because God is a good God, and He is close to the brokenhearted. But not only that, if we as the church are doing what we as the church are supposed to be doing, we come and we comfort those who need comforting. And where do we get that strength and that peace and that energy to comfort others? By the knowledge that God has comforted us. We can look at all the valleys that we have been through and go, God was there, and God was there, and God was there. And then when he comes to you, given to somebody else, we say, God's going to be there with you. Don't forget when he was there for you, there and there and there. So that's why we say, come to church every single Sunday. Because you don't know who needs your arm wrapped around them. You don't know. So that we come and we gather together and we worship the Lord together because you have something to offer someone else. It's not just we come and, well, when I come, I'll receive something. No, you come to give also. To give what you have learned, how you have grown, how you have been touched by the Lord, and then you go and you comfort others. We get this comfort not to hold on to ourselves, 
but to then comfort others. Then he says, for as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So Paul looks at sufferings different than the way that we look at sufferings, okay? We look and say, sufferings are bad and comfort is good. Paul looks and says, yay, sufferings. <laughs> yay, sufferings. And yay, comfort. Why is that? A couple of reasons. But we suffer for Christ because Christ is our model, okay? And as he suffered, we want to suffer. Paul was constantly being thrown into prison. What was his crime? Was he stealing something? Was he? No, he was preaching the gospel of Christ, okay? So he felt that he was kind of sharing in, in God's sufferings because Jesus didn't do anything wrong either, but yet he was crucified. And now here's Paul. He didn't do anything to break the law, but yet he was having sufferings, being thrown into prison, and he rejoiced so much so that he was witnessing to the guards, witnessing to the people there uh, that were in jail with him. He saw sufferings as, yay, I get to suffer. But there's two kinds of sufferings, and one of those sufferings he was yaying, okay? So he's suffering for the cause of Christ. So there's two kinds of sufferings. There's a suffering over here that says, I'm suffering because of my mistakes, my sin. I'm doing what I want to do, and now I'm suffering the consequences of those, okay? Now, that kind of suffering, uh, you can be comforted but it comes with that extra step of repentance, okay? So if you are suffering because of you, and let's just be honest, sometimes that is the case, right? You can amen that, okay? Sometimes there is suffering and there is consequences because of us, okay? So to receive that comfort that he's talking about, we've got to go through this repentance, okay? So we, are, we repented, and then he says, as he's speaking to the righteous in uh, Psalm 34, he talked to the righteous it's close to the brokenhearted, okay? So there's that kind of suffering. Okay, we're not talking about that kind of suffering. We're talking about the suffering for the cause of Christ, where you didn't do anything wrong, but you are suffering for Christ. Paul was thrown into prison, not because he did anything wrong, but because the world out there didn't like him and wanted to shut him up, and so threw him in prison, and he wouldn't stop. They even beat him, and they stoned him, and they did all these things, and he still spoke out. So that tells us that there is a way that we, in, this, in our church, in 2022, can suffer for the cause of Christ, even though it's not sin, okay? So we stand on the word of God, and we say things are sin that the world doesn't think are sin, and so then we get called every name in the book, Right? So we stand on, and we look at the, at the Word of God, and we say things like homosexuality is a sin. And we look and we say, okay, you call it abortion, but actually that is the murder of a little person made in the image of God. We say that out loud, and we get called bigots and all these different things. Okay? That's suffering for the cause of Christ. I didn't sin. I didn't bring any kind of, you're going to lose your job now. I didn't bring any of that over here because I sinned. No, over here, I stood on the word of God. And Paul says, yay, sufferings. Because the word of God is being spread. Now, whether they reject it or not is up to them. But it's the word of God. And that's what we stand on, not our feelings, not our opinions. Amen. We stand on the word of God. So just as we share in the sufferings, 
We share in the comfort. And so I'm, I'm telling you, church, if we stand on the word of God, the Lord will comfort us. The Lord will be with us. He's close to the brokenhearted. You are not alone. Verse 6, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. In fact, salvation comes through it. It is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. There's an endurance that happens, okay? So when we get hit by the wave of criticism and the wave of the world, we're able to stand firm. Have you, able, have you ever stood on top of a rock or a log or something and you, you had to kind of balance yourself there a little bit and you don't want anybody to touch you or throw something at you, okay, because you're kind of wobbly there? When we stand on the Word of God, first of all, it is a firm foundation. But when the waves come and hit us and try to knock us off, we've got a God behind us holding us up. And so as He is holding us up, let those waves come and hit us, okay? Let those sufferings and those things come. Paul... Throw me in prison, that's fine. I've got a God that's holding me up. And I'm not falling. And I'm being comforted in this. He says, throw your worst at me, okay? And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. The Lord is a good God. He is a good God. And He shares in our comfort. He's with you. He's with you. I understand that there may be others outside that are not with you. God is with you. There are others in this room that are with you. And there are churches that meet. We are bigger than just this building right here. There are churches all across Texas and America and the world who are suffering for the cause of Christ. They are with you. We all stand together in this. Now what a great place to end the sermon. But I press on. (laughs) Because there is such a good word right here. Sorry, i got to do three more verses, okay? Verse 8. We do not want you to be informed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Now Paul is telling the church about an incident that happened in Asia where they almost lost their lives, where they thought they were going to lose their lives. And so I ask you, have you ever been in a situation, and maybe you're in a situation now today, where you feel like, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it. The things that's going on. I'm getting hit with wave after wave. And that's that's the thing. When we get hit with something, it's not just one thing. It comes from here and here and here and here. And have you ever felt, I've just got so much going on and and I feel like I'm getting hit from every direction. I don't know if I can make it. David felt the same way. That's why he wrote Psalm 34. But Paul felt the same way and is telling the Corinthians, I didn't think we were going to make it. I thought death was coming to us for sure. So if you're here in the room and you don't think you can make it, 
this is for you. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Church, do you know the God that we serve? This God raises the dead. This is not a passive God. This is not a powerless God, okay? If he created life, he can raise from the dead. But he says that you may not rely on yourself, but on God. God sometimes will allow us to go through things in a season. And by the way, we don't know how long seasons are. Some seasons are three months, some are ten years. We have no idea. Joseph, my favorite guy in the Bible, from the pit to the palace was 13 years. He was in slavery or jail for 13 years. We don't know how long the season is, but we do know that God is with us. But we do know that God is with us. And so, sometimes these things happen to us so that we not rely on ourselves, but we rely on God. If God just snapped his fingers at every small inconvenience we have across, we hit every green light, whatever, we think we're pretty good. And we look at ourselves and we're pretty awesome. But if we go through struggles, that allows us to lean on God. Do not look for the power and the strength and, and, or intelligence inside of yourself. But instead, lean on the Lord. The good Good God, he has, verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. Oh my goodness. He will deliver us, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. We serve a delivering God. That's a great place to say amen. We serve a delivering God. If you're here today, and maybe you feel like, I don't know if I can make it. David's been there. Paul has been there. I've been there. Have you been there? Are you there here today? I'm here to tell you that he is close to the brokenhearted. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is a good God that does not leave you on your own. But He delivers you. He delivers you this morning.